Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Believe in UCLA podcast, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan. I am joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? All right. All right. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing all right myself. Thanks. So uh, big, big week in UCLA sports. <laughs> these just these past couple of days have been kind of nonstop news. Uh, it started last week. Dorian Thompson Robinson says he's coming back. Sean Ryan says he's leaving. So you get your QB, but you lose your second starting tackle. Charbonnet says he's coming back. Jerry has an hour resigns. Chip Kelly gets his extension. So a lot of stuff going on. We were talking about it last week, kind of previewing it and pretty much every domino has fallen so far. So I got a few things up in the air, but generally we got a pretty good look at what UCLA is going to be next year, just because of these past few days. So we will break all of that down. In addition to the up and down week for UCLA men's basketball had a tough uh, I think it was 84-81 overtime loss to Oregon on Thursday. They had chances to win it and couldn't, had chances to tie it, couldn't. And uh, then they ended up beating Oregon State a little more handily. Uh, they won that one 81-65 on Saturday. So we'll talk about those two games as well. But let's start off on the gridiron, talk a little football. I feel like the biggest news, well, it's hard because all of it's big news, but we'll start on Chip Kelly. He got that four-year extension. Really, it's a three-year extension and he restructured this coming year. So he's here through 2025, four more years of Chip Kelly on the books. We don't know what the buyout is, so it's hard to see what kind of <laughs> lease they gave him, but apparently his annual salary is going down and he got more money oh, to pay no. his assistants. So apparently that was maybe a holdup. We'll see in the coming days when the financial details come out and everything, but Travis overall, what were your thoughts when you saw that Chip Kelly is coming back on a four-year deal? Well, I mean, I don't mean to brag, but I, I think I told you. <laughs> hey, I, said, I were, said I was fine with three or four. Three or four was fine yeah. as long as they, they, they don't give them too much money or anything, which is what I've been off. But I'm, I'm just yeah. glad it wasn't like eight or something you were talking about, like a like Jimbo Fisher, just any of that. No, that's what I'm of, saying. Like think about it. I mean, think about it. he was Jimbo Fisher was like an anomaly because yeah. it was a situation where like he was the first coach to get like a decade long deal or yeah. like, eight or 10, whatever it was. And now that's like the standard for like great coaches. Like everybody's signing these 10 year extensions. Exactly. So, you know, I, I thought that like, I was thinking Chip, Chip Kelly wanted a, he, he wanted a, you know, like eight year, seven year deal. But the UCLA was probably like give us give them a two year, so they kind of met in the middle with the four year, you know, kind of extension. So I mean, a you know, three year extension plus obviously this year or next year rather. So I, I think it's probably a good deal for both both sides. I think is to me, this is my opinion, is going to be hard on recruiting 
because, okay, let's just say in a year, like, you know, the kid is like, okay, I'll be here for two more years. I mean, so you're gone when I'm a sophomore, you know, how does that work? You know, like, how am I going in the kid's house, like a, a star kid and saying like, look, you know, like, yeah, I'm gonna be here, you know, after this year or after next year, but I don't know after that kind of thing. Yeah. I think they really hit the bare minimum in terms of years. Uh, because <laughs> yeah, obviously yeah. you weren't, you weren't going to give him that eight year, nine year deal, whatever. Cause yeah, he, yeah. he didn't earn it. And I feel like he would yeah. probably know that he didn't earn it. His agent knows he didn't earn it. Uh, but still you have to give him some years because recruiting, like you're saying, so you got the 2021 class that's coming in. They have all four of their years with him. This yes. suppose if he makes it yes. through the four years, if they play four years, but Already, right off the bat, the guys they're trying to sign for this upcoming cycle, not the February date, but next December. So the guys they're really mm-hmm. pushing for now, or at yep. least laying the groundwork for. Mm-hmm. Kelly already isn't going to be under contract by their senior year, and he just signed an extension, <laughs> which it, it just shows how little confidence they have in him and how little they wanted to budge. And yeah, I, I think this is ultimately for the best. Uh, I, I, we were talking about it last week in terms of things that could go weird or wrong in the negotiation. And yep. it happened, happened yesterday. Todd Graham resigned from Hawaii. So if Chip Kelly had held out, then he could have had that leverage. He could have said, mm, I'll go to Hawaii. You never know. Yeah, I mean, no, you, you did say that. You did say that. But this so, is uh, this, yeah, this he, contract. He's not going to take that deal now, obviously. But he, no, no, he no, no, missed no. out on that possible leverage. He <laughs> definitely came out on the losing end of this deal. But it depends what the buyout ends up being. We'll, we'll, yeah, I'll yeah. reserve judgment on the deal until I see what the buyout is, because that's huge. No, no, you're right. I think this is a deal of like, you know, when you go to the club and you're, you know, you go there to the club and at the very end, you're looking maybe for somebody to come home with you. And this is like, <laughs> she's, I'm the last guy. She's the last girl. Okay. <laughs> you know, I guess. <laughs> Cause you figure all the heavy hitters are all gone, right. For college anyway. Now NFL, we don't know what's going to happen with all those coaches, but like all the heavy hitters are gone. So you know, and you don't know what's going to happen next year. So I think that, at, you know, UCLA and Chip Kelly were probably like, well, she still wants me. He still wants me, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so let's sign this extension, you know. So I think the, the way the way it's played out and the way that it looks like the structure is right now, I would be willing to bet that Chip Kelly makes it through the 2022 season because mm-hmm. of – uh, or that easy non-conference schedule that's three wins right there and then <laughs> and then just being like above 500 in conference play having the good teams at home uh, then yeah that that's eight wins right there you hit that eight wins you're not going to fire a guy you just extended for eight wins probably unless it, someone goes horribly wrong it was really and, ugly and back-to-back years you know back exactly and years. and so he'll make it through this coming year but then the the year after is where it gets a little sketchy because that's when the non-conference gets harder. Uh, that's when he's a little further removed from the extension, and that's where he's really going to have to prove it. And that's when Dorian is definitely gone. Charbonnet is definitely gone. And you're really going to have ever just completely built from scratch because everyone thought that was possibly going to be this coming season. You build from scratch against the soft schedule, but now you still have your two best offensive players coming back. And now you can kind of beat up on, on the inferior competition maybe maybe get to 10 wins i kind of hate when people are saying that there are a lot of people putting it out there saying oh and you see like you get to 10 and 2 and i'm like oh i don't know i think it's <laughs> i think nine wins is a ceiling i'm more betting on eight but still that's it's a fine season but that that uh l- let me just look up 
2023 schedule to see who the non-conference games are yet. Uh, oh, that's an easy one too. Coastal Carolina, who's, who's all right. San Diego State and uh, NC Central, North Carolina Central. So that minimum should be another two or three. three wins minimum, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it should be minimum. You know, North Carolina then, State. I don't know. Yeah. And then 2024, you got Hawaii, Fresno State, LSU. So the same group you just had this year. So the <laughs> chip is really, I mean, LSU in 2024 will be a tough one. And you already lost to Fresno State this past year. But generally, he's, uh, he's got a pretty easy runway going against the weakest Power 5 conference in the Pac-12 and having a pretty weak non-conference schedule for the, the first two years, maybe even three years of his extension. So he's in a pretty good position, but he's going to have to get eight wins this coming year, maybe nine. And then he's going to have to do eight or nine the year after that. The second he takes a single step back is when they, they cut ties with them. And I would assume they structured this deal knowing that that was a, a very, that was a possibility. I think, I think, you know, colleges, especially colleges like UCLA, you know, big, big, big schools with a lot of power and influence. They know what they're doing when it comes to business. So they're not going to extend him like eight years, you know, or even six, you know, they're going to, it's like, this is like a prove it kind of extension. If you mm-hmm. be honest, yeah, um, it's more of an extension where he could, if he does well, okay, maybe we'll tack on another three years after the second year, you know, mm-hmm. but if he doesn't, then after basically four years, he's out. Yeah. And the, the whole really? reason this extension came down to the last second is because he hasn't done a good job. If you're doing a good job, you get extended much earlier than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's just say they win. Let's just say dream scenario. They go 10 and 2 next year, right? And then they go 9 and 3 or 9 and 4 the next year. He'll probably get extension by that, you know, that third year of the fourth year deal. Now, yeah. if he goes. I, and I would be eight, okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If That's he goes, good production. Eight and five or eight and four, and then next year goes seven and six, and then that third year goes six and seven or something. I'm, I'm telling you, if he goes out. seven and six in 2023, I don't think he makes it to 24. I <laughs> yeah, think I think it, he has to he has to prove that he can stay steady at this level and or go up or else he's done. And mm-hmm. and honestly, I will say he gave himself a better chance to do that by having Jerry Asanara walk out the door. We don't know the absolute specifics of if he was forced out or if he just felt like it but he resigned ucla's horrible awful just deadweight defensive coordinators out the door finally after four horrible years just like bottom half of the country in every defensive stat the three worst pass defenses in school history the last three years and he's gone so they're gonna have to make it really the world big t- there. Tell the word how you really feel about him, Sam. <laughs> and and he's just was just an absolute drain on the the feeling around the team, the the recruiting, just absolutely lethargic recruiter. Wouldn't do anything, and Chip just let him get away with anything. So thank God he's out. Uh, we're gonna be looking at candidates at some point in the coming days, coming weeks. Um, but honestly, it would be almost impossible to find someone worse than Jerry Azanaro. It's just getting rid of him is a plus in itself. The defense probably won't be any better next year than it was this past year, just because of all the talent you're losing. But 2023 under mystery defensive coordinator X will be better than the 2020, uh, 2022 defense would have been under as an arrow because he was probably the worst defensive coordinator in the power five for the last three years running. So 
pretty much anything is an improvement on that. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Respect that. Respect that. So you get him out the door. That's good. You get Doran mm-hmm. Thomas Robinson coming back for his super senior year. That's big. Zach Charbonnet coming back for his true senior year. Probably going to be that a was we were talking shocking. last week. Yeah, yeah because yeah. You, you've been on that for a few weeks, months, pretty much all seasons when we were talking about it and about yeah. running backs have the, the shorter shelf life. They should go early. And a lot of people are, are kind of parroting that same thing, saying, well, I don't know. He could have been a the fifth or sixth running back off the board, maybe fourth running back off the board and got his contract. But now next year he's moving to a more crowded running back class and he's attacking another year of carries and work on top of it. So I don't get it. I, I mean, I, I, some people I feel like maybe give you strong advice to stay. I felt like with him, he should have been like, I'm out, you know, because like we talked about it, you know, like, look, running backs have the shortest shelf life and they make the least amount of money out of, you know, all the super skilled positions, quarterback, mm-hmm. running back, wide receiver, you know, let's just say those three. Yeah. You know, like even tight ends make more money than the running back. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, at you this know? point in, in like the last three years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like you have short shelf life. So fifth year seniors and then super seniors or whatever, you know, like they, there's an issue if you feel like, you know, if you have good season, you're coming back to college. Cause he could have been, I'm not saying he could have been a first or second round pick, probably not even third, but let's just say a fourth round pick. Fourth round picks are starters as running backs. Look yeah. at the running back in the NFL today for San Francisco, Mitchell. Yeah, Elijah he Mitchell. A, he's a sixth round pick. Yeah, Damian I'm Harris like, for look, the Patriots. He 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 was a fourth rounder and he came right in and started right away. That's that's what I'm saying. So to me, you know, you don't need to in a running back, you don't need to be a first round or second or third round pick. You could be a fourth or fifth or sixth. As long as you can play, they're gonna play you. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting. I, I feel like Maybe the more we talk to him, the media get a better idea of what was going through his mind. But uh, if anything, it's good for UCLA because DTR, when he announced he was coming back pretty much right after Sean Ryan left tackle said he wasn't Alec Anderson, the right tackle already said he wasn't coming back tight end, Greg Dulcich (laughs) receiver, Kyle Phillips. They weren't coming back. Still nobody really knows on chase Coda. So you lose your maybe top two receivers, top tight end, both your tackles. And everyone's saying, I don't know why Dorian's coming back because Chip's not <laughs> locked in. His running back's not locked in. Britton Brown's going. Paul Gratton's going. Like, why yeah. is he coming back to an empty cover? But now, I mean, Chip comes back, so he's going to be running the same offense. Even with Justin Fry, offensive coordinator, O-line coach leaving, uh, they'll find some way to replace him with someone good because Fry's going to Ohio State. Uh, so Chip, uh, Ryan Gunderson, quarterback coach, still here. Chip's here. be Chip's offense. Zach Charbonnet coming back. That means the running game's going to be a threat and teams won't be focusing everything on DTR like they would have been if Charbonnet had left. So they're still probably going to have to get a transfer running back unless they think Deshaun Morrell or someone can really step up into that Britton Brown role, which I would love to see. Mm-hmm. I, I I would rather see that than have them add a grad transfer who's going to be here for one year. I want to see one of the young guys really step up and be the backup so when Charbonnet leaves, they got a, a, a successor. That'd be fun. They're going to have to see what the deal is with the receiver room. You got Jake Bobo coming in from, from Duke. Uh, we got uh, Titus. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, he, he's originally from Hawaii, and he, he transfers in from from UCF. He's coming in. Those are two good receivers. You got Kaz Allen, Cam Brown. Uh, you got some pretty good receivers. Uh, and, and Logan Loya can maybe get some of the reps that Kyle Phillips is giving you, but it'll yeah. be different. There are bodies there, and now it's just can they 
come together to be the top 10 offense that UCLA had this past year? Well, it's going to be interesting to see. I think, like, if you notice what Chip Kelly's doing, he's not really recruiting the freshmen as much as he's recruiting the college transfers. Yeah. He's going in. He's going in transfer, transfer, because he was in win-now mode these last, you know, at least last year for sure. And I think if you notice, he's going to have a trend now where he's not going to bring number one running back in the country here or number, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. He's not going to – I think all those kind of recruits – are going to start to go to UC, USC. I know that sounds bad, but probably if, if if he gets it rolling, they'll start going to SC. Yeah. So what Chip Chip and Niche is going to be is these transfers in the transfer portal. So, like, you're going to get a guy from, like, you got, I got a guy from Duke, a guy from Hawaii, guy from, like, just all over, you know, and just kept mishmashing, and they're going to come in because they're older players that that's where his angle is going to be from here on out. I don't think it's going to be – anything but that. I think after DT leaves, I think it's going to be another quarterback coming from the transfer portal that's coming. You know? I, I would hope not because I think D- DTR coming back, I think sets UCLA up well. And, and I feel bad for Ethan Garbers in this situation because I think Garbers is a, an above average, pretty good safe QB, but you got DTR this year. I think Justin Martin, the freshman coming in is, was I think the number 10, number 11, as high as maybe number six or seven quarterback in the country, depending on which run, which rankings you look at. He's coming mm-hmm. in. He'll be a true freshman learning under DTR. They're both mm-hmm. mobile athletic guys. Justin Martin is definitely much bigger. He's 6'4", to, to Dorian 6'1". Uh, so they're, they are different guys, but being able to learn Chip Kelly's offense without playing for a year while learning behind DTR, who's in his fifth year, mm-hmm. I think that sets him up to be really good once he does eventually get the starting job. Maybe he has to wait behind Garbers for one year on top of that, but I hope that by the time we get to 2023, that it's Justin Martin starting QB. That'll be interesting. But you're, you're we'll talking see. about all these transfers, and I I kind of hate it. <laughs> the guys coming in, <laughs> nothing against them. But I just think it's it's not a sustainable way to, to build a program, to build a roster, because these guys stay here for one or two years, and then then they go. You want a guy who can be here for four or five years. So Chip is in win now mode. He has been the last two years to save his contract, and he will be for the next two years to try to get his next contract because this was not the deal he was looking for. It seems like so to get the next extension, he's going to have to be in win now mode, and then he's going to have to sell out for the transfer portal, and then he's going to be shorting himself for the future. So I think that's a flawed mindset. I will say one thing. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to Jaden Marshall. Uh, the receiver coming in, he was a high four-star guy. He was one of the top players in the state of California coming in. I think if he can show up and be uh, one of the top targets as a freshman, that's a really good sign. But I think I, I want like Jaden Marshall at receiver and Justin Martin at quarterback and got Tamarian Harden coming in, three-star running back. Like I want those guys to be the future. I don't want them to be buried on their grad transfers forever. So after Dorian and Charbonnet and, and Kaz Allen, after these guys go, I want these guys to be groomed and then they step up. I think that'd be really fun. That's what you like to see in college football. That's the kind of turnover you like, not just the, oh yeah, experienced guy who's a good leader comes in, helps you win for a year and then has to go because he's out of eligibility. I think that's that's a tough way to kind of build your team for long-term success. Oh, I agree. I think uh, that's, but that's the issue when you give somebody a short-term contract. Yeah, you yeah, gotta think, it, think about true. both ways. I mean, think about Chip, Chip Kelly's uh, on his think about his side because what you're talking about is great for UCLA, you know. 
Um, but for Chip Kelly, uh, he's like, look, you know, I only got a three-year extension. Basically, I got four years left. I need to win minimum, minimum two, maybe even three out of the next four years for sure. And I don't mean win. I mean win eight, nine, ten yeah. games. Yeah, meet it, or exceed expectations. Yes, yeah. And yeah. so, and then without, uh, I feel like this is the best way something prove a proven product in college where freshmen, you don't know what you're going to get, you know, don't get me wrong. Some freshmen are sensational and they're great. But like I said, I think um, he's going away. Like I need to get proven, proven products. And if you notice, like I said, like this year, what do they get? They got a bunch of new proven products, wide receiver, uh, you know, linebacker, like Darius Masala uh, from Hawaii. He's really good. Yeah, they, he's a good guy. That's what I'm saying. So that is, that's get, a dude who's going to contribute early and often. Right now, like he needs to win right now. So, like, like you talked about with the schedule they have this year, they need to win minimum eight, nine games, minimum. And he cannot do anything more than that. So I feel like um that's what's gonna be for at least the minimum the next two years. Now, if you got a six-year yeah. deal, then you will see the freshman. But since he only got a three, you probably be seeing these next couple of years trying out. Don't if the if the freshman and sophomores come in are great, he'll play them too. But I think it's going to be a lot of those transfers. Yeah, no, it's a good point you, you make about the, the trade-off. And you don't want to give him too much long-term security. But the, the trade-off there is that he can't give you long-term success. He's going for <laughs> short-term. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. We'll be talking UCLA football all offseason. We'll be keeping an eye on it. So there's going to be plenty to talk about with the faces coming and going. Uh, let's move on and just before we wrap up, do some quick UCLA men's basketball thoughts because uh, we'll mostly focus on that Oregon loss because the Oregon State win was uh, was was it was good. It was pretty standard. The offense was really efficient. I think they shot well, like over sixty percent. You're not going to see that. Defense started off horrible, and the last thirty <laughs> minutes of the game was really good. So, offense was good. Defense started bad and then got better. That's pretty much all we have to say on the Oregon State game. Let's talk the Oregon okay. game. Thursday losing in overtime was that the just absolute I, I it all comes back to the end of the first half for me when the oh. UCLA misses and and Oregon gets a rebound with I don't know five six seconds left in the first half dude here's the shot clock go off and thinks it's the buzzer so Oregon throws a full court shot overhand just yeets it down the court misses not knowing that there's six seconds left and Johnny Juzang just like stands there and waits and watches Oregon gets an offensive rebound and still gets a buzzer beater two out of it, which was hilarious and stupid. I was laughing. Like everyone up in the media <laughs> rose, like what the hell just happened? And, yeah, and Mick yeah. Cronin talking about it after saying like, I'm yelling at Johnny. I'm t- pointing like you got to box out. You got to do this. Mick Cronin was not happy after that. He took an extra long time at halftime, uh, just kind of <laughs> chewing his guys out. And they came out slow. They came out not so good. And they got put in a hole somehow because of Jalen Clark's defensive magic gets two steals in the last 30 seconds, somehow forces overtime. Good for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then in overtime, it's looking good. Jaime misses both free throws. Turns out he wakes up a couple of days later with a sore ankle. So I don't know if he was nursing some that that game, but he was awful on Thursday. And then Johnny misses a three at the buzzer. Uh, Bernard misses a three at the buzzer at the end. So, there were fine moments, but overall, that's the absolutely the worst they've looked since the Gonzaga game. At times, mm-hmm. probably the worst they've looked all year. 
Well, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot to unpack with this game because this, this game yeah. was, I think, like a correlation of what they've done with the lesser opponents, the team that just should be. They've turned it on and turned it off, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't do that, especially in conference play. You cannot do that with any team. Oregon was, you know, kind of struggling a little bit, but you could tell they were getting healthy, but they were still struggling. And, you know, what happened was, one, UCLA could not contain them off the dribble. They were killing them. Oh, off so the in dribble, the start which, of overtime, especially, J- Jacob Young was just taking guys off the dribble so bad. It was, it was, it was just, so they, hard to they watch. They ran the same play every time. It was pick and roll from the top, pick and roll from the top, pick and roll yep. from the top. And, like, it was left-handed guy, three, off the glass, layup, three. I'm like, if you don't <laughs> – Stop! Get a stop! I'm like mad at the TV, throwing popcorn at the TV, um, you know, because I was just like, st- get one stop. They got to get all you got to do is get one stop, because Oregon couldn't stop them at the other end. And I felt like I said, like you said, like the half the halftime play just was indicative of them just coming out not ready to play. Now I'm like like you said, Jaime getting hurt. You could he's the heart and soul of the team. He doesn't, they don't play with as much energy without him. Um, and like I said, I think uh they just they just came out, they just they, they came out and just was lackadaisical because it's Oregon and Oregon wasn't good. There was no fans, um, you know, but the family and just like you, you could just tell like they just can't, oh, we're gonna just turn it on when we need to and win. And it bit them. And I would have felt bad for them if they would have lost against Oregon State because he would have ran them into oblivion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this yeah, week, definitely. if they would have lost against Oregon State. Even still, he still might run into oblivion because, like, they shouldn't have lost against Oregon. Yeah, no, he's he's not happy. Uh, the The way he was talking after that game on Thursday – was uh was tough he i mean he took responsibility he he knew that he kept saying like those they they came in they weren't ready and my job is to get them ready so that's on me they they were not into it and that's on me because my job to get them into it but i mean by saying they're not into it he's implying and and not even implying he's saying that is part of this is on them too it can't all be the coach can't all be the players it's a it's a full team thing and Mm -hmm. It was really tough to watch because, like you said, they turn it on, they turn it off. They they come out against Marquette. They look great. They did last week against Cal, against Long Beach State for most of the Long Beach State game. The defense later kind of fell off. But generally, like, they've been on. But the same thing that happened the first 10 minutes of that Gonzaga game, awful. The first 10 minutes of the second half against Oregon on Thursday, awful. They just can't be going through these types of stretches if they want to be one of the best teams in the country. And they and they are. And and that that's a tough loss. But let me see. Uh, number one, uh, I know Baylor lost once or twice this week. They lost twice. USC at lost. Home. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they lost at home twice. SC lost at home, or C lost on the road once. SC lost twice. Yeah, yeah twice this week. Um, and whoever, uh, uh, and then yeah, UCLA loses once. So you get three of the top six or three of the top five teams and, that are and losing. Duke. Yeah, yep. and, and Duke and, lost at and home. Duke again. So. It happens. There's a lot of turnover at the top. They're probably not going to fall that far because Oregon went ahead and beat USC right after. So it turns <laughs> out they, I think there's like five and one, six and one recently. So Oregon's better now. It's not a horrible loss. They'll work their way up. And at this point, they'll probably be a tournament team despite the god awful start to the year. Um, at least they're, they'll be contending for it. And no, think about the week they had. They, they beat yeah. two top five teams on the road. <laughs> 
that's yeah that never happens so it never happens it's it's not the biggest stain ever um ucl is really gonna want to get its fans back by the time arizona comes for the next home game i know there's all this st- stuff about the covid policies and stuff and uh, it's it's a mess uh and and the communication's been bad but for now no fans allowed through yeah. what is it like the february february last it, i heard it was february i i think the arizona game is a tuesday and that's like three days after the the policy ends they could extend it through then but i think the reason they put it there is saying like well for now we're gonna have fans there for that so they hope they have fans there because ucla fans absolutely give arizona hell every time it's really fun to watch uh so glad that one's on the schedule hopefully fans are there for that that'd be a fun time uh, it always is and they have plenty of time to recover in conference play. They're, they started 10 and two last year. They started 10 and two this year. Last year, they make the final four. All you got to do is just not have that disastrous four loss, the four, four <laughs> loss thing at the end of the year and, and have to fight your way out of the first four, take care of business, beat the teams. You should, you are still in the running for a one seed. This is not a disaster. It was just a really bad showing on Thursday. Agreed. Agreed. I think, uh, like I said, they have a lot ahead of them. Luckily, like I said, they still got SC. They still got Arizona twice, SC twice. Um, and like I said, I think if they go three out of four, let's just say three out of four, say they lose Arizona and Arizona. I think if they go three out of four, beat SC twice, beat Arizona once, um, they're still in the running for a one seed in the West. I think it's going to be between them, Arizona. I don't think uh, – I don't really think SC. Well, SC, it's, it's them, Arizona, SC – I think Gonzaga gets a one seed, but that's not necessarily in the West. I think they get a one seed in the South or something like that. Yeah, I think mid- um, Midwest, whatever. Mid- it ends Midwest. Up being, yeah. yeah, I think UCLA, because, you know, because Gonzaga's uh, conference, I just because it's conference trash. But um, yeah. <laughs> I think if, if, yeah, if UCLA wins the Pac 12 and then wins the Pac 12 tournament, they're a one seed in the West. That's just, you know, I think that, yep. you know, yeah, you know, still, still an easy path to that for sure. Still, it's the next city. All that's still ahead of them. They can still win 25 games or whatever the case. You know, I don't know how many games they have left, but let's just say they win 14 more games in conference or 13 or something like that. Um, and then they win three or four in the tournament. I think they'll be, yeah, like I said, I, they have a, everything in front of them. They just got to beat, the, like you said, beat the teams they're supposed to beat and then be ready for the big games, you know? Yeah, I, I think they can absolutely do that. And uh, I, I think they they have a pretty decent road test coming up this week against the Mountain Schools. Uh, mm-hmm. They aren't the best out there, but uh, they're, they're both above average teams and you got to bring hard your best against those. Hard to play. Yeah, yeah, hard to play hard. in the road in conference. You, you've been talking about it all year. It's definitely true. So uh, that's that's pretty much we all we have on uh, this week's episode of Believe in UCLA. I want to thank you guys for listening all the way through. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, turn on notifications. I'm uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever you're listening on. I just appreciate you stopping by. And uh, we drop episodes every Monday, so you can check back then for those. Uh, Travis, thanks for joining me. And where can people find you online, all your work, all your stuff you know, on social media and all that? All right. Well, you can find me on on Instagram on at Travis W. Reed, uh, R-E-E-D, for people who like <laughs> asking what the last four digits our last four letters are, uh, and Travis W read on Facebook. I post all my stuff uh, on, on, uh, each uh, social media. I have a, a link tree on my Instagram page. So, 
uh, for people want to know what Linktree is, it basically is a platform where you can post all of your stuff. So click on that and you'll be able to see everything. So at Travis W. Reed on Instagram and Travis W. Reed on Facebook. Sounds good. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sam Conan, or you can follow uh, UCLA All Bruins, the Sports Illustrated site for UCLA that I run. Uh, you can find that uh, si.allbruins or on Facebook, si underscore all Bruins. So keep an eye out for that. Got UCLA content. We got this show going up there along with all the stuff about transfer portal, NFL draft stuff coming up, coaching moves for the football team, all the games, pregame, postgame for basketball. Uh, it's men's and women's got gymnastics season coming up for UCLA. So uh, it's all a big deal. I'll be keeping an eye on that. And Travis and I will be talking UCLA every Sunday uh, for the rest of the year. So we will be breaking that all down for you coming forward. And just want to thank you guys for listening. See you next week. See you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.